I'm panicking. <laughs> <laughs> that was very intense. It was. Okay, just for context, in case I want to include this in the episode, I'm using a brand new like recording thingy platform. And I pressed record and I was just expecting it to be like Zoom where it just like starts recording and then like did a five second countdown that was very intimidating and I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, it's felt too lights, camera, action, too formal. Yes. And it doesn't help that we can't see each other. I feel like that's the other unnatural part. Yeah, that's very true. But I guess this is how we used to talk to people on the phone. It's just like this without seeing each other. Yes, but we also didn't see like little highlighted boxes with our initials in it and little wavelength to show that we're talking, you know. It's all very robotic and mechanical. It's not like you're just picking up a phone and having a chat. I mean, it is. It is. But it's different. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Are we ready? I think we're ready. We're ready. Welcome to another episode of I Want to Know. I'm Julia. And today I am talking to one of my very, 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 very best friends, Danielle, who uh, we have bonded over our fervent love of potatoes. And she has been a missionary in Africa for five years, which I love that journey for her. Also, I miss her a lot. (laughs) But Dan, I'm super happy to have you on the show. Finally, I feel like why didn't this happen a million years ago when I very first started? Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, and it's yes. true. It's long overdue. So I always tell people that you work in Swaziland because I'm self-conscious of how I pronounce the actual Swazi name. But that's a colonizer name, right? Yeah, that is true. And I think you're actually, you're not wrong for saying Swaziland because the um, the the country was called Swaziland up until about five years ago. And then it was the king's 50th birthday. And I was actually, I like to tell people, I was in attendance. So I was at his birthday party. Yes. <laughs> but basically the whole country was invited. So don't feel like I'm special. But I but win. still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still. If anyone's wondering, I was in attendance at the king's birthday party. And then he made a speech and he announced that from now on, the name of the country isn't going to be Swaziland it's going to be Eswatini which just means the land of Swazis but in the local language instead of in English which is more appropriate it is more appropriate but then yes everyone in government refers to the country as Eswatini but then every actual real normal person that you talk to still says Swaziland (laughs) just like the everyday working class citizen calls it Swaziland is that yes. just because it's been called that for so long until recently? Yeah, I think so. It's just like imagine in at home if we said now America is not called America, it's called something else. Like in your heart, it's just still <laughs> it's still it's America. America. Yes. Okay. Yes, that does make sense. Okay. I feel a little more confident in my way of pronouncing it. But it sounds like no one I mean, barely anyone knows what I'm talking about when I say Swaziland anyway, so I feel like even less people would know what I'm talking about if I say Swaziland. That's very, very true. <laughs> That's true. But I am so proud I, of them when I'm for having like when oh, you yeah. look up on Google Maps, if you like go over the country, it's the like 
you know, my Google Maps is set to English. Um, and so it'll say like Germany and Japan and I don't know, France. And mm-hmm. like those are all the English names. But then you go over to Swaziland and it's got the Swazi name for that country. And I, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. It is cool. I think it's because the kings really made a point. Like, no, that's not us anymore. Instead, we're, we're this other identity. And Which it sounds like I, he sucks really on a lot of levels, but but that yeah. one's okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like <laughs> just a, a moment to reclaim like their language that gets lost, you know, because yeah. everyone's using English and their country that was taken. And it's just like a moment to say, no, this is our country and we'll call it what we want to call it. Even though actually inside Swaziland, we all still call it Swaziland. And you, like, they speak it enough that you, are you still taking classes? Yes. Yes. I'm actually on term break right now, but I do, I have a weekly class that I go to. And I say term break, like, I feel so fancy, but the class is just me and the tutor. But if I think (laughs) of it in, like, real terms and classes and I have homework and assignments, then then I feel like I'm really taking it so seriously. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So I'm on term break, but I'm trying to learn Siswati. It's very difficult. Ugh, so cool. Siswati. I always forget that's what it's called. I always thought it was Swazi. I don't know why. But that's how you describe the people, and Swazi people speak mm-hmm. Siswati. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay, before we go on, um, mm-hmm. I recently discovered a question that i don't know like whenever i meet new people you kind of never know where they're coming from and it seems like post covid post newest president post i don't know a lot of things something's weird in the world and it just feels like everybody's more Mm -hmm. extreme these days and they don't really know how to like empathize with other people not that we have that problem but Sometimes when I meet new people, it's just good to know, like, where they're coming from. And we don't have, like, I set this up like you have to tell me all your political views. That's not what I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> but it's just nice to know, like, context for people. Um, and so just people who have no idea who you are, um, can you share, like, a little bit about what it means or what it looks like to be you at this point in your life? Yeah. Um, well, we're in this season. We've already talked about it a bit. Yes, is that I have been living in Eswatini for going on five years now. So even I was actually here for all of COVID and a lot of the Trump presidency. So I missed out on a lot at home. You sure um, did. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it feels. Um. I guess I could say now I've been living here long enough that it starts to feel like my normal life, even though it's completely different than anything that I grew up living. Um, so I think in this season of life, I'm just kind of doing my normal. I go to work, I come home, I cook dinner. I just have kind of like a standard normal routine. Um, but actually, just recently, my mom and dad came to visit me, and it was their first time coming. So that was like a huge deal for us. Um, oh, yeah, because they, they came for a whole month, right? 
Yeah, they came for six weeks. And their trip was originally supposed to be during COVID, but then it got canceled, of course. So it was their first time coming to see my life here. So it was really special. When you talk about it being like feeling like home, um, I always I love talking to people about you (laughs) just because. (laughs) Well, for a lot of reasons, let's be honest, but I'm thinking of how you're you're saying like it's starting to feel normal and how, you know, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, I saw a massive spider in my bed last night. No big deal. I'm like, what? That's a huge deal. <laughs> you're like, nah, oh, yeah, Africa things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and like all the That's internet true. problems right. that we had. Eh, Africa things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, so there are things that growing up would not be in any part of my normal context. But now it's like, ah, Africa, like cockroaches in your bed, snakes, all of those animals. There's nice animals too, but then also scary ones at the same time. Oh, speaking of animals, uh, what is the closest you've been to an elephant? I know that they're kind of like territorial, but haven't you been like kind of close-ish? Oh, definitely. I've been like within 10 feet of an elephant. Oh my goodness. That is very close. (laughs) Extremely. And they even have, like, at that time they had babies with them. So it was adorable and also so scary. Yeah, I bet. And giraffes. What's the closest you've been to a giraffe? Mm, On foot, I've been like walking by a giraffe maybe like 20 feet away. But then in a car, I've gotten closer. Usually in a car, you can get closer to the animals because you're kind of safer. Hmm. Oh, that's so cool. But let, let me please tell you a story about a rhino. Please. Because <laughs> there was... <laughs> I had um, a few of my friends from home visiting my very first year here. So I took them to a, a game park. So in Swaziland, or Swaziland, excuse me, um, the animals are not running wild. Like, you can go to designated national parks and that's where you can see the animals and they're wild in the way that like they're just living naturally but Mm -hmm. there's fences you know it's like a huge like huge national park but there's a fence and so like lions stay inside the park sometimes Mm -hmm. the hippos can come out and then there's like warnings everywhere like watch out for hippos but for the (laughs) most aggressive right (laughs) extremely they're actually dangerous yeah but for the most part, the animals, the dangerous ones are contained. But in other African countries, you can have like lions and things in town. Like it's more. Oh my goodness. It's more wild. <laughs> I know. But then um, we were just, uh, I took my friends to the game park to go and see the animals. So we go on safari. And usually like you hear these stories of um, like Americans, they're doing crazy things and you know, they make silly mistakes and they get out of their cars and they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing and then they get hurt. And then it's in the papers and everyone laughs at them here because you're like, oh my gosh, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So we, I took my American friends and we're on a game drive. And then the guide, usually it's like the guide will give you the rules and they know exactly what to do and how to stay safe. So you just like do what they say and then you should be safe. So the guide looks at me and asks, and he says, there's a rhino. It's just over there. It was kind of off in the distance. And he just says, wouldn't you like to get closer to it? 
we felt like, yes, that's a great idea. We want to get closer. So he says, okay, come, 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 get out. So we get out of the car and we're walking towards the rhino on foot, walking, walking, walking. We're standing behind him, like crouching behind him. And we get very close, like within maybe 30 feet of this rhino. And it's a mom and a baby rhino. And my friend just looks at him and says, aren't rhinos pretty protective of their young? And he says, oh, yes, yes, of course. And we're like, are we safe? And he's like, I think so. (laughs) So we sat there for a little while, and then we walked back, and everything was okay. And then I went back to the same game park a couple of years later, and I was like, oh, so do you think we can get out and walk with the rhinos? It would be so nice. And they're like, no, of course you can't walk with the rhinos. What are you talking about? And I was like, no, I was here before. And the guide let us walk with the rhinos. And they're like, oh, was it supposed to be so? Because he's been fired. Oh. <laughs> because he was putting people in danger. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I learned you're not supposed to walk with the rhinos, even if someone tells you that you can. Bad idea. And then another rhino. Do you think he was doing that with everyone or just like playing a prank on Americans? I couldn't say, but I guess it happened in a time (laughs) when he was fired. That's terrible. But also, I kind of love him. There's like a little space in my heart. I know. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then a rhino walked up to our truck. And when we were inside the truck, you're a bit safer because, you know, you're higher up. And then he said, reach out, pet the horn. And I did. And so we pet the rhino's horn. Also, you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> but the rhino was fine. She was like, whatever. She was fine. She was coming up to us. Huh. But that's a fireball offense, I guess, petting a rhino horn. I think, yeah, that's really, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Is that like patting a hippo on the head, kind of? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. Not much hippo experience because they're terrifying? Yes, hippos kill more people than any other of the African animals. So oh, that makes sense. I stay pretty far clear of them and crocs. I used to love them. I'm pretty sure at one point they were my favorite animal when I was small. And then I was like, oh, they're so cute and so small. And then I found out that they were like massive and terrifying. Not small, but like, small? but like chubby, like chubby, like cute, oh, yeah. like yeah, like cute. a, like a giant are. baby. Yeah, that's fair. That's reasonable. I could think that too. They're pretty cute. Just giant and deadly. And the funny thing is, more than any of the animals, they um, they kill people, but they don't eat people. They just kill oh. you for the sake of killing you and then leave you on the bottom of the pond and then other animals come and eat you. Oh. So I feel like it's just, it's a little bit too spiteful for me. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely. You know, murder. It's pretty rude. <laughs> the rudest. Um, okay. Uh, here is a question that I feel like I've maybe asked you before, but I feel like you're learning new things every day. So, um, what is like 
I didn't write this question down, so it's going to come out all weird. What's like as as you are an American living in Swaziland and come back every once in a while and talk to people? Um, what are you finding is like a very like but like a like a common misconception about what your life is like there or what life in general is like? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, I think the idea that people have of me living in Southern Africa, and you know, every region in Africa is a bit different, but especially Southern Africa, um, even I don't know what I'm saying, I'm starting to fresh. I think um, a really big misconception is that the only style of living here is living in a mud house with a thatched roof and going to the river to fetch water and coming back and um, living that very rural and poor kind of in like in a desperate situation and as much as I actually that is here and I see that every day and I see people walking with buckets of water on their head um, there also is like town and in our town we've got KFC and we've got like um just things modern comforts that maybe you wouldn't think are here because of like the the media's way of portraying what it's like here. So I think there is actually a very broad spectrum of of lifestyle here that maybe someone wouldn't expect. Even my family when they came to visit just this last month that was a huge thing it's like wow there's like the city is big and there's so many lights and um like there even the highways are newly paved so like you can kind of drive along the highway and you know there's like some nice roads but then the further and the deeper you get into the country the more you see um some of that deeper poverty but there is like a wide spectrum and even in my home i have like running water and bathrooms and a, a flushing toilet and <laughs> a fl- yeah it's a flushing toilet that I'm very happy about and Wi-Fi even though the Wi-Fi works about I would say I would give it a solid seventy percent of the time it used to be less oh, now it's about yes 70. <laughs> yes you know from all of our phone calls back and forth like oh I was gonna say fifty <laughs> yeah no it's improving a bit. I got a new Wi-Fi provider. There's been some progress. What appliance were you missing in your last apartment? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, I didn't have... Well, in my my first apartment that I was living here in Swaziland, and it was my own apartment, when I... Sorry. Um, when I first got here to Swaziland, I was kind of living in other people's houses. Like maybe they would go back on leave to the States for a little while and I would stay in their house or I was living with people. But then there was a time where I got like my first apartment that was just my own home in Swaziland. And it was a total dump. It was really not that nice. <laughs> and it didn't have a kitchen and um, counters. It didn't have like a lot of things. And so you just bring your own oven and you bring your own refrigerator and all of that and then you just make do with whatever it is 
But the thing that it didn't have that I really wished it had was a hot water heater. So I would use a kettle and then I would boil water and put it in a bucket and then I would go and stand in the shower and then dump the water on my head. And that was how I did the shower for like a long time. I'm thinking of the apartment where your refrigerator was in a different room. That's the same apartment. Okay. The refrigerator okay. <laughs> was in the bedroom because there wasn't room for it in the kitchen because there but wasn't really an... a kitchen. And then you had like a tiny sink, right? Yes. It, the, like okay, so basically the apartment... Yes. The apartment was you would walk in and then there was just a small empty room and all it had was a sink. And then that was like supposed to be the kitchen and the sitting room. And then you have to bring everything that you want to make it a kitchen, like a countertop or cabinets or anything to cook mm-hmm. with. You have to bring it yourself. And then it has two bedrooms. So I had a bedroom and then I am, there's a Swazi girl who's a university student and she lives with me. And so she had the other room. And unfortunately for her, the refrigerator was in her bedroom. <laughs> Also, the whole house only had one outlet. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm telling you. So I had extension cords all over the house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I remember this. (laughs) It sounds familiar, but I'm just shocked all over. Yeah, I think I, I often I try to be in a place in life where I can just be happy with what I've got, you know, and not focus so much on what you don't have. And so I remember I lived with that girl, her name is Sagisi, and her and I, it's like, we would always just talk about how much we loved our house. Like, wow, we're so thankful for this house. Like, okay. We never said anything bad about our house ever. (laughs) And then we actually moved into a nicer house. And then finally we were both like, wow, what a dumb, like... (laughs) Oh, back when we were talking about animals, I wanted to ask you about cows uh, and if you would share the significance <laughs> of cows in Swaziland. Yes, that's even like, I don't know. Cows in Swaziland are everything. And they're also everywhere. They're on the road. They're on the freeway. They walk to town on their own. They do anything they want. And when my mom and dad were here, was like the biggest culture shock to mom she's just like cows cows here cows everywhere every time she would at first she would make me stop the car so she could take a picture of the cows and all of the swazis just couldn't believe her like pictures of cows why because they're everywhere um so yes the the thing you should know about cows mostly is that they're everywhere and they mean everything so the cows are <laughs> of extreme cultural significance every event every cultural celebration and like how i could say like life landmark like weddings festivals important meetings there's every all of those events funerals you should slaughter a cow like a cow has to be killed in all of those moments in order to kind of mark it in your life Mm -hmm. so 
their cows mark important moments. Also, they um, cows are currency. So if you want to pay for something, first, like if you you buy land, um, you buy land here from the chief, and the price of land the chief gives you is you have to pay a cow. So it's a currency in that way. Um, you pay for your bride when you are getting married. The bride price or the dowry is paid in cow. And also the um, cows kind of act like a bank account because it forces you to save your money because you buy, you can buy a calf, a small baby cow for in Rand 500. And then um, it's whole life. You tend to it, you take care of it, you put money into it, you buy food, you do all of those things, and then you can sell it at the end for 8,000. So you can make a lot of money and then um, also if it has babies, then you get very lucky. Or if it dies, then mm-hmm. it's really sad for you. So yeah, cows are currency. Cows are your bank account. It's, they're so important here. I think so here. Yeah. Here's another question about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think when I tell people about this, the first reaction is like, I don't know, kind of like a third world attitude, like that's ridiculous. But would you say that like, I guess like what's your, what's your true response to someone who would say that like, that seems very silly and like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, What's the opposite of like innovative. (laughs) Primitive. Kind of like, yes, 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 yes. It seems very silly and primitive. Sure. I think um, when I heard, when I first got here and I heard people talking about cows and started realizing like how significant they were, I didn't realize how real it was because in Swaziland we have kind of like people in town, people who are a bit more, I would say, modern and then out in the rural areas, people are more traditional, just like at home. And I thought when I started hearing about these things at the cows that it was kind of something of the past but not really something that's still currently done and it is super real like even if you live in town even if you're the most modern person in Swaziland when you get married you better pay for your bride in cows like that is really really happening to this day every single person in this country has to do that so um I think here it's just super normal and I don't know what to think about it besides I guess in some ways I understand it because cows are everywhere and yeah I don't know if I could say it's primitive or it's innovative or what word I would use to describe it but it's just normal it's normal here and it's everywhere Mm. yeah okay so it's not like it's not one of those things where like the king does certain things where you're like, really? It is. We're in the second. We're, like it's been two millennia. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to this, where it's like, this is fine. It's just like a cultural thing that can stay. We're not like, I don't know. Yeah. I would. It seems like it maybe is linked to patriarchy, but it also seems like Swaziland has bigger issues than tearing down the patriarchy. 
Yes, I think so. And I think people are not that concerned about, no one's pushing back against the cows. Like, why are we still doing everything with cows? So yeah. I, I think the cow thing is here to say. There are a lot of other aspects of blood <laughs> culture that people, even inside the culture, push against and say, we still do this, but it's not right. And I think mm-hmm. there's some changes in recent years, but overall, the cow thing, it's still happening. And it's alive and real. Something about that reminded me of the situation that happened, I want to say, last year. That, like, almost started a civil war and, like, people died. And I'm pretty sure that it that mm-hmm. news did not get to America through any sort of official media outlet. Yeah. It just, like, came to me through you. Um, What are people angry about? It's, it's not cows. What is it? <laughs> Yeah, it's not cows for sure. Um, okay, Swaziland is one of the last countries in the world with an absolute monarchy. So even in other places where they're kings and queens, they don't actually have like genuine real power, but this king does. He runs the whole country and he also has all of the money. So um, there's like almost the illusion of democracy because there are actually elections So you can vote for your members of parliament, um, like your local representatives, just like we do at home, except those people actually don't have any real power because the king is the one who appoints the prime minister. The prime minister does anything that the king wants. It's just the prime minister is like the voice of the king. So um, there's no democracy at all, actually. Like the representatives don't have any power. And the country is extremely poor um there's a lot of problems and um but yet the king is living a really very lavish life he has a lot of wives and a lot of palaces a lot of planes a lot of fancy things a fleet of custom rolls royces but yet the country is living in poverty so yeah people were pushing back against that and saying it started as that the, the people wanted the, the freedom to elect our own prime minister so that we could still have the king, but we could take away some of his power. And then the king responded and said, actually, you don't even have, we don't have the right to free speech in this country. So they submitted a formal petition and said, we want to be able to elect our prime minister. So the king responded and said, you actually don't have the right to ask for that because we don't have protests and free speech in this country. So those people got arrested. And then that's why people then got really mad and they realized, wait a second, we don't even want you as our king at all. And so it was an attempt to overthrow the government and get rid of him entirely. And it did not go well. And how long was that like? A scary thing. I'm forgetting. I want to say at least a week. But it felt like weeks. Yeah, it felt like weeks, but actually it was more like one week of a war happening. Um, it was actually happening right outside my house while I was inside my house. So all of the buildings nearby me were pretty much on fire. And um, so it was one week of a really scary thing where the whole country was shut down and you couldn't, they weren't bringing in, like, all of the shops were closed. And you couldn't buy food. You couldn't 
go anywhere, do anything for a week. And then from there, things kind of started becoming more normal. And they still have protests that turn really violent often. But now the the army, like the king's forces, kind of shuts it down within about a day every time. So it doesn't get out of hand like it did that time. But then also no change happens. Correct. We're still in the exact Ugh. same situation. Yes. So it's like, great that people aren't dying. Also, things are still bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. So, obviously, that's like a whole big heavy deal. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard and obviously not ideal. And, you know, I don't think any country has it figured out, although... I can already hear people like yelling at their phone or in their car, like <laughs> some country that has gotten it right in their opinion. Um, I just, we're, we're humans running government. So I just don't think it could ever be perfect. All that being said, um, mm-hmm. what I, hmm. I'm going to ask this question one way and then, maybe you can just hear the heart of it and answer we can like reword together um Mm -hmm. can you speak to i don't know the like your love for this country that makes it feel like home Mm -hmm. like even though there are a lot of hard things happening, what do I love about being here? Yes. Like that type of vibe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think this country is so unique in a lot of ways and very traditional. Um, There are basically a lot of problems. Um, And sometimes I think you can come in and you see those things first and it's it's overwhelming like it's too much and i think sometimes you can think about trying to fix all of those problems and then you just simply can't like no one can and so um yeah it can be overwhelming but then i think what makes this country feel like home is that i find my place inside of that and i have some purpose that maybe it's small Um, and maybe I'm not changing all of these big things, but I can change some things and make a difference like where I'm at. And to me, I, I have seen that in the ministry for kids with disabilities out in rural areas because there has been real change in those communities as we've done education and outreach, um, and brought kids out from hiding, um, and, like brought them into the light where they felt like they were hidden away and we got to tell them they're beautiful. And now when I go through and even if they don't know I'm coming, then I can find them sitting outside. Whereas before maybe they would be in the house locked away. So I think seeing my place inside of this bigger system that I can't do anything about, um, it creates like a real purpose and a real lasting impact of 
me being here. And I think that's what makes it so that I can stay even when it's hard. And also there are like, besides work, there are also wonderful things about living here. And it's beautiful and there's so many animals and, you know, just like fun things. Sometimes I just kind of Mm -hmm. wake up and I think, wow, I'm in Africa and (laughs) this is where I live. And maybe I'll see a giraffe today. Maybe I won't or there's monkeys and different things. And you get to have a lot of adventures and fun experiences, which I love and I enjoy. And I think I am well suited to the Swazi culture because the Swazi culture is loud. That's how what I could say. And <laughs> I think most people most people would describe me as also being loud. So um yeah, people are just warm and welcoming and um enjoy making the best out of what you have. And so you don't need much to make a party. <laughs> you just need some food and some people <laughs> and some music and then everyone is having a good time. And yeah, I think people really love life here and um it's an energy that's really contagious and i have found some of my most special people in life have been the people Mm -hmm. that i've met here and even though i've only been here for five years i love that so much in you um yes that was a that was a much more beautiful note to end on than just, oh, civil war. Moving on. <laughs> um, is there yes, anything is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, I know. Oh. Can you you touched on uh-huh. this in answering the last question? Um, mm-hmm. but I think when people hear, I think in your introduction I said you've been a missionary. Uh typically I just tell people that you work in Africa because that seems more accurate to what I know of your situation. Um, but just on a very specific note, what is your work? Like, what do you, what are, what are your, what are your duties? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and it's true. Like my actual formal job title is a missionary. And that's because I, work for an organization that's Christian and also my funding comes from churches and so because of that I'm technically like qualified as a missionary but I I also don't even use that word to describe myself I usually say I work for a nonprofit because missionary comes with such like comes with a lot of connotations comes with a lot of weight and especially with the people that I'm working with they all have some experience with missionaries in some way and sometimes it's actually not the best experience um and mm. so any yes anyway i i like to relate to people just as a normal person who lives here and works here not as oh i'm a missionary and whatever that means so, because you don't know what right. that means to who you're speaking with mm. um but what i do is i work for a large nonprofit that is a like a child feeding sponsorship organization. So you know those types of places where you can adopt a child in Africa and then you help sponsor their school or anything like that. Um, 
then that's that's what I do. And so there's um, a lot of different departments, but we at this organization, it's called Adventures in Mission. We feed 10,000 orphans every day through rural area community centers. So after kids get off school, they come home from school, they stop at the community center where they get um, a free meal and there's some type of after school program or different things that they can be involved in. And so that's what the whole organization does. But my role specifically in that is working in the disability department. So in any of these rural areas, if the kid is discovered in the community who's disabled, they need a lot more services than just that basic things that we're providing to everyone. Mm-hmm. So then they'll call in my team and we we just do some more assessments about like what's really happening with the family and the, the health of the child. And um, we kind of work with them to help whatever situation they have. A lot of it is um, because kids normally go to the community center to get their free food every day, whereas like a disabled child isn't it's not accessible to them to get there so i'll just drive the food and deliver it to their house um once a month rather than them going every day and um just kind of practical things like that like we we make sure each of our kids have access to physical therapy um, wheelchairs and any adaptive equipment they need walkers some of them they all just kind of need different things um and based on kind of what their what their condition is. And so basically my job is driving back and forth a lot of times for the rural areas. The kids who are really big, they can't use public transportation because once a child in Swaziland becomes too big for their mom to carry, then they'll be housebound for the rest of their life because mm. public transportation isn't accessible to them. So then you can imagine if that child gets sick and needs to go to the hospital, there's no way for them to get there. So a huge part of my job is also transporting kids and bringing them where they need to go, which is like therapy and the hospital. Um, yeah, that's a big thing. And then in cases that are much more severe, then we, we opened up a children's home during COVID, which was a whole other adventure. Um, <laughs> And that's for kids (laughs) with um, severe disabilities whose families aren't either are unable or unwilling to take care of them. So we and we also do emergency fostering. And so right now the children's home has five kids. So my my time is halfway split between running the children's home and also the outreach program. Okay, cool. Thanks. I don't actually think I've heard that all in one sitting before. Because I think when I very first asked you. Yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, Because I think when I very first asked you, you hadn't actually done the job yet. You were like prepping to go back. I think that is very true. Yes. When I knew I was going to be working with the disability department and then I was going around giving presentations and raising money to do that but I hadn't ever actually done it. So I didn't have, I basically, I didn't know anything about what I was going to be doing. So I had to figure it out as well as I went. Yeah. And now you've done it for a bunch of time. And so, I don't know, that was just a really great explanation. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) 
I have one more question for you. I used to say, because the show is called I Want to Know, what do you want to know? But I've discovered that something more accurate to the heart of the show, like a question that's more accurate to the heart of the show is what's something you've been learning lately? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, there's always a lot of things to be learning. I think something that's been on my mind lately is about how how to take care of myself in the midst of what I'm doing here. Because mm. there have been a few times where I've been here for maybe a year and gone back home and I come home and I just feel like I'm not even a person anymore. I'm just, Mm. I've seen too many hard things and felt pressure on myself to fix all of those things. Um, I've seen kids pass away. I've seen just things that I, I wish I never would have seen. And I come home and I feel like I can't go on and I can't do this for another second. And so I've been trying to think lately about how to make this more sustainable for me in life because Mm -hmm. I can't just run this until I'm out of energy and go home and shut off for a month and then come back. I, but I, in order to, for this to be sustainable, I have to figure out how to take care of myself in it, um, to set some pretty firm boundaries, um, and also um, yeah, just get the help that I need, like relying on other people more, um, being a counselor, all of these things kind of help me process what I'm feeling. And um, so that's, yeah, that's been a big thing lately. Um, one thing that's been helpful is I have a lot of routines in life here. I have specific things I do on specific days, and I don't miss those things for anything. So on um, two days a week, I take an African pop dance class. And I don't know why, but that has been like the best thing of my life for the past two years. <laughs> and two, two days a week, I know no matter what happens in the day or no matter what goes wrong, I dance. And there has been something deeply therapeutic about that for me, both like the consistency of it um, and also just the physicality of like getting rid of all of that tension in my body. But also I love to dance and I think it's so fun and I love doing new things. So yeah, there's just like a few routines built into my life now that I didn't have before that have really made life here feel feel more sustainable. So I would say I'm learning a lot about how to take care of myself and also how to say no to things when you feel like there's, much pressure Uh, thanks for sharing i loved that um (laughs) okay so the zoom thing just came on that we have to like get off soon (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so if listeners want to connect with you i have i'm going to put your email in the show notes if they want to financially support what you're doing which please do it because she's incredible um I will also have that link in the show notes as well. Dan, I love you so much. Thank you for being here. I love you too. Thank you so much. Thank you for putting up with this bloody internet for all of my (laughs) life.
Thanks for listening to I Want to Know. If you liked this episode, you can follow the show to find future episodes in your feed. If you want to connect, my social links are in the show notes, or you can email iwantanowpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to show your support, you can rate the show wherever you listen, but the way podcast algorithms work, only five-star ratings are helpful. So if you feel mad about the show, that's something I actually don't want to know. You can also share this episode with someone who might like it or join my Patreon linked in the show notes. Thanks again for being here. See you, friends. Bye.